0: This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than one hundred and eighty thousand titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same
1: time, visit Audibletrial.com slash Trek FM. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. This is Dwight Schultz. I played Reginald Barkley, otherwise known as Broccoli, on Star Trek Next Generation and Voyager. You're listening to Trek FM.
0: hot.
1: Welcome to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host Justin Ozer. Amy is away this week and we do have a special guest that we will introduce later but join with me today is the Blown over by the wind in one direction, Joe Keegan. How are you doing today?
2: Yeah, I'm good. swept and interesting as usual. Before we started recording, I mentioned to Justin that um, the UK was being battered by another Atlantic storm. So it's very windy. Reports of 65-foot waves. Um, my run this morning with the dogs was very interesting, so... Yeah, but it's good to be here and excited to be talking about and that's what I was AI. referring
1: to. Like you, The wind was at your back in one direction and the other direction. Yeah, it was like
2: being on a treadmill on the way home. Yeah, well, so.
1: good, good that you're here with us despite all that. Uh-huh. Uh, so let's start out with some Babel Conference feedback. This is for Earl Grey 311, which was Science and TNG with the amazing Dr. Aaron McDonald. So Joe, you want to read the first one?
2: Yes, this was literally my the most fun I've had podcast. And I think the sat I like the science episodes because yeah. I know about science and it's relatively easy to talk about. But with another scientist on and somebody that is so as charism- charismatic as Erin, um it was just it was just a joy and a pleasure. So, Michael Bentley says, Just finished listening to this. Great educational discussion, and I wish I'd thought to post a question about holodecks. I know we have holograms, but making them solid in the way that Star Trek does, as well as completely convincing representations of people and landscape, I'd love to know if that might one day be possible. Uh, thanks for your comment, Mike, uh, Michael. I That's a really good question. Holode- we have holograms, but I know we have VR, which is maybe a half a step down the line of eventually getting holodecks, but that physical representation using force fields and probably replicators and transporters to have food on the holodeck that doesn't disappear from your stomach when you leave is quite interesting. I'm sure we'll get there one day. Star Trek's good for inventing things and then real scientists go and make it.
1: Yeah, and then you can surround yourself with holograms that look like yourself, and maybe have different accents, and do what you want. <laughs> so,
2: true. That's maybe. so confusing. And if he didn't uh, like it, why didn't he just delete it? The C three PO oh, one,
1: now, the protocol <laughs> droid that he's got. I think, just delete it. I think it. In Picard. It's really fun, but is, anyway, it's, it's, I thought it and, would just get a laugh out of you.
2: <laughs> and I know I've I moaned about Picard in the past because I'm struggling to get into it because it's a feel that's like quite slow. I did enjoy episode four more okay. than I've enjoyed the others. So there's okay. progress being made. What? However, one caveat with that Dr. Girardi said that there's only three billion stars in the Milky Way.
1: Three billion. Oh, uh, I think she was saying like three billion habitable planets, I think is what she meant. But anyway, we can split hairs over she that. She said later.
2: stars. I've, I've listened to it like multiple times, no and I was Richard. like, oh, no, "No, no, no, no." Let's um, keep
1: talking about the, the yes, table conference Babel
2: feedback. feedback. That's why we're here. Yeah. I suppose.
1: I thought I would throw in something that would get a laugh, but I know, and then I went on else. a rant. So, who <laughs> <laughs> okay. did you? So, so we, so we also have uh, Gee Butter who says these are the episodes I listen to Trek FM podcast to give me a better understanding and appreciation for Star Trek. I always thought I was alone until a few years ago. Thank you. So thank you for your comment. Uh, yeah, just really appreciate that you're enjoying Trek FM podcasts and getting a better understanding and appreciation of Star Trek. I feel like that happens for me as well as we talk about these things and and analyze things and hear from different perspectives, right?
2: That This is true, yeah, but I really hope that is their real name because that sounds, if it's not, I feel that's the tastiest <laughs> snack that anybody could ever invent. It's like all-butter shortbread, you know, it isn't made of just 100% butter because there's like flour and sugar in it. Um, but ghee is clarified butter and butter snaps yeah. as well. So it's just like quite calorific, I would imagine. It's a snack. But thanks for your mm. comment, ghee. That's, that's cool. Karen Chupla says, This was so fun. I would love to see some kind of depiction of how gravity waves really work, what they do to local space, etc. I totally agree. totally agree on don't explain it as much approach. Thinking about TOS, they rarely attempted to explain how a thing worked, think communicators or tricorders. At the time, those had to seem completely impossible, and left up to the imagination, people in real life said, I need to figure out how to make that a real thing. One other thing I have rather liked at the depiction of insanely incomprehensible areas of space being thrown to areas that are so b- bizarre and anomalous, we think of them as practically fantasy. There must be areas like that where it seems like impossible things are happening. I hope there is more of that at some point. And that's a good point. Now that you mention that the bizarre and anomalous, I'm always reminded me of where no one has gone before, where the Enterprise mm-hmm. is hurled by the Traveler to weird and exotic galaxies. That, but I'm thinking the kind of the, what we know of the universe. The laws of physics are kind of universal, so galaxies and stars and planets, as far as we're concerned, all have formed in much the same way. So I don't know whether we'll see those kind of depictions in, in real space ever. Yeah, but it's an interesting we'll thought. we find yeah. out. Yeah. Mm.
1: yeah. So we also have Mark Keller, who says Dr. McDonald is a great guest. It's cool she uses science fiction to teach. I wish my science teachers were like that. Heres to having Dr. McDonald back in a future episode. There's so much that needs to be covered, like tricorders, the holodeck, time travel, etc. Joe Keegan does a good job of explaining things as well. So there you go. Praise for Dr. McDonald and for you and someone asking for her to be back sometime in the future. So I guess we'll see. Yes, what we
2: do. I'm glad the praise was like added on at the end for me. I was like, I might as <laughs> have to mention Joe and thanks that I do a good job as well. So. I'm yeah, so pleased, Mark. No. Thank you.
1: All right. So thanks so much for your Babel Conference feedback on that episode. So today, join with us is a special guest. It's Jen Tift of the SnapTrek podcast. So Jen, welcome back to Earl Grey.
0: Hi, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. This is fun.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you back. So you were on uh, Earl Grey 298 where we, Amy and you and I talked about Keiko. Joe wasn't on that, <laughs> but he gave his feedback in the <laughs> episode after that. But, uh yeah, we, we definitely wanted to have you back, and I gave you a list of possible topics for this, and the one that you picked is AI and TNG. So I wanted to see if you could talk a little bit about why that one interested you to talk about today.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, well... Obviously, this has become more more of an interesting topic now that we've seen what what Picard has in store for us. Uh, but but mm-hmm. I think specifically on TNG, they had a a really interesting perspective on uh, different types of AI. Uh, you know what it means to be sentient, and in general, and also just what rights these different types of intelligences have. You know, I mean, you know how. TNG is one of the great things about it is 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 rights for everyone and 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 I and I think there's several episodes where they brought up different you know different uh variations on that theme that are really really fascinating
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I mean it's definitely relevant now we'll probably talk about it a little bit as it as it relates to to Picard yeah, I, th- I think there are certain like characters and and episodes uh, that we put together a list to talk about. I mean, of course, I think the first one we need to talk about is Data and his extended family, which now with Picard is even more nice. extended. Really, uh, so let's let's start. I mean, we could talk about them as a whole or just start with with Data, but let's kind of start with with how Data and kind of Sung type androids are presented to us within uh, TNG. So, so Jen, your thoughts on that?
0: Uh, how they're presented to us in general? Yeah,
1: I mean, because I think they could have gone some different ways as far as, as seeing Androids, but there's a kind of a particular way that data is presented. There's maybe even a different way that someone like Lawler, Juliana Tainer is presented. So I'm, I'm just curious yeah. kind of what that that says about the perspective there. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, because we're, we, we are to assume that data is in fact uh sentient being, you know, with, with all mm-hmm. all that comes with that. You know, he's not just he's not just a computer in the body of a of a per, you know that looks like a per- person. You know, it's not just a casing that makes it, you know, he's he's legitimately on the inside a a not a human, but a <laughs> a being with sentience.
1: Yeah.
0: Um and and I, I think as far as like data versus lore versus juliana and everyone um you know an evil twin is is a trope that you know happens everywhere and and in many different ways but but it it becomes a very um it's it's a very relevant it's it's very relevant when you're talking about ai in general because that's one of the fears that that quote unquote Mm -hmm. you know that that in general people may have about about ais is is the the uh you know it Turning "quote unquote" evil or doing things with unintended consequences. Um, so I, right. I think looking at that through an evil twin <laughs> trope lens is is interesting. is it, you know as it relates to AI in general.
1: Yeah. Okay. I mean, Joe, your thoughts? Interestingly,
2: I've never really seen data as an AI. Yeah. Obviously, he is because he's been artificially created.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: But I see him more as a human because he exemplifies everything good about humanity. Yes. If you were to say or pick pick a description for data, AI or human, I would naturally go with human. I just don't see him as being
1: That's interesting. Kind of
2: mechanized in any way.
1: Because well, I know he is, I, so yeah. It's interesting that you feel that way because I feel like I'm always conscious that data is an android because, you know, he looks different and he kind of acts different. I mean, and and it, I think it's a kind of a conscious choice, like he has this kind of gold paint, and it's meant to, to tell you like he's different in some mm-hmm. way, right? As opposed to him looking completely human, which we see with in other places like with, with Juliana Taylor and Lal and, and other things. So for Data, I, I think of him as an artificial intelligence, as an android, but that has these qualities we can relate to as humans and kind of the... His wish to to be more human. I mean, I think we can even relate to that sometimes. Like like that, mm. we want to be more human be, or have more of what we would call humanity, right? Um, be better versions of ourselves.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. Something everyone be, strives because, for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I mean, just just the the decision to to make data a main character, right? Because I mean, we'd seen androids in the original series, but it was just something that was happening that week that was interesting for the plot, right? But to, mm. to make it something that you really dive into. Who are they? Are they sentient? What do they care about? You know, as a as a being, and how do they react with other people? I think it was kind of like a very conscious decision to start almost from that innocent place to try to define mm-hmm. what it means to be human. That, that's kind of how I think about it.
0: As like, I was just going to say, I, I mean, it's I I kind of think of of data similarly as. Um, as I do with you know, obviously Spock is the is the comparison in mm-hmm. t- in TOS, but specifically with that, um, you know, Spock would always say, "Oh, I'm a Vulcan. I don't have emotions." And what would you would see that that just wasn't true, <laughs> you know, like you based on his actions, yeah. you you knew that Spock had emotions, and the, and the same with Data. Like Data says, "Oh, I'm not capable of love," uh, but you know, you see like like how he is with Lal, You see, you know, and millions of other examples that he. He might not, quote unquote, feel love, but he knows, he loves, he knows, he shows love.
1: He takes the actions that are indicative of love. Exactly. Right? Exactly.
2: But there's a question, like, how do you measure how much somebody loves you? What is the measure of love? And it's through your actions and his actions demonstrate that, then he might as well not feel that kind of, whatever we describe, ask you guys to describe what love is. It's kind of hard to articulate sometimes. So, I think it's all to do. Then it's all to do with your actions, and he does that. Mm-hmm. So he loves. He might not be able to kind of emote love, but he does it. Mm-hmm. So see, he's definitely human, <laughs> hands down. He's human.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's definitely doing things we associate with with being human. I mean, and and it's clear the way that Brent Spiner plays Data. It's not meant to be just like completely like cold and calculating and mechanical right data is is more than that but kind of somewhere in between just like pure machine that that doesn't really kind of adjust to its surroundings or what's being said to it. it is just programmed a certain way in between that and a human being that's just like completely reacting to all the stuff that's happening he, he kind of occupies this interesting middle space it feels like like he's he's striving to be human and have all of that flexibility and feel the emotions and all of that but it's difficult for him to get there i think even when he gets to the emotion chip it's not quite that because it's almost like it's simulating that i, I don't know it's, it's just hard to describe but i feel like data occupies this really interesting place between the two yeah does that make no sense?
0: i agree and, and like the emotion chip is, is more just like simulating your body's natural response to emotions versus like giving mm-hmm. him the emotions you know what i mean but like, like when you when you love someone and your 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 heart you know your heart races or whatever you know whatever other physiological responses mm-hmm. your your body has to that mm-hmm. that's that's not it's not giving you it, it, you know the emotion chip gives him that not oh you will love this person <laughs> you know kind of like, or you will you you know so so yeah so I I think the emotion chip's kind of incidental more so to yeah. his journey to becoming human I think you know.
1: But in a way, how is that different from us? Because we have certain things that happen with our bodies or, you know, hormones or chemical interactions or whatever that make us feel that. And if data is getting some facsimile of that, is it really different? Like, I don't know.
2: We're just humans are just biological computers. So we've got our own programming and it just happens to be genetic. Um, and there's yeah, all I these mean, chemical interactions that happen in our brains that make us feel certain ways and give us the ability to um, be emotional beings. And if data's emotion chip does the same thing, then I don't see it as being any different. I think data is a bit like, I think he's a bit like a giant, really smart toddler sometimes. I mean, he struggles with kind of humanity and what it is to be human and his journey to be fully human, even though that's probably an unattainable goal. Yeah, I think he's a bit like a toddler in some respects. I mean,
1: you so you, you say that, but at, and in certain ways he is very innocent, but he's also doing very adult things like, mm-hmm. you know, fulfilling this this role as the operations officer on the Enterprise, sometimes dealing with difficult command decisions and all of that. So he has sophistication about the world, especially yeah. as the seasons go on, but there's still something that is kind of where he's innocent and asking very almost naive questions like sometimes he's he's asking jordy like basic questions that you know you feel like yes. you figured out as a kid like what do i do in this situation like, and what like, does snoop well, mean <laughs> it's like oh, come on he's got things.
2: built in dictionary <laughs> the oxford english dictionary version right. 5000 and it doesn't have snoop in it come
1: on yeah I, I think it's more meant to just emphasize that he his experience is limited to to certain things but anyway i i just think that Data, the way that he is, maybe because he's a main character, is is constructed in such a way that you really kind of feel for him and you really can relate to to who he is. Because if it was just like some android with you know a blank stare and that just does what they says for seven seasons, like that's not that interesting, right? right? Um, or maybe even if it's someone for seven seasons that's kind of indistinguishable from uh, from a human, maybe that wouldn't be it. it, it it's like the striving toward being something more and then getting to us relating to us striving to to being more that's that's Mm -hmm. kind of how i see it i mean so i mean there is there is data i think that occupies this interesting place but then we get i mean we talked about lore who's basically like an evil twin so yeah i don't know if there's too much more to say about about lore and then b4 is kind of like really innocent doesn't know much of what's going on i think that some of the um some of the other examples that you see like like Lol is, is really interesting because she looks human and seems to have emotions and has like a breakdown and can cry and all all of that kind of stuff. So that's getting more toward uh, toward being completely human. Like
0: there's your toddler. But joke. I mean what
1: kind <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, uh, sure. yeah. And you throw her a ball and it goes by and she's like, wait, I missed it, <laughs> you know. She's just like really learning the basics, right?
2: He's biting that female's face or whatever she says.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I mean, the officer is such a such a great and, and, yeah. and moving episode. But like, like it is it something where you know you see you see Lal, who's kind of like more human and has these emotions, and it doesn't work out. Like, did it have to be the case that it didn't work out? Would it have been like? You know, if if you had LAL going forward, I know TNG more episodic. Maybe you wouldn't have had that. But like, what would that have been been like? Try like seeing someone go through that that journey.
2: Brent Spiner would definitely have pushed to replace spot with the actress that played LAL because he hated working with that cat.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I so, didn't know that. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Yeah,
1: he said the cat was really difficult. Yeah. yeah well the different cats yeah. yeah you don't have cats jen do you
0: no i have a dog
1: oh yeah, yeah i've got dogs as well
2: yeah. so that's good yeah. i'm, I'm free to cats insult yeah. ca- <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> remember i've told you this before my one data point of cat experience is my friend's cat grown up and it was yeah. the offspring of some kind of feral beast that lived in the mountain and it was a vicious little thing so ever since then i've never liked cats yeah.
1: I'm really impressed that in that same story you put the word data and offspring. Very nice. That's did impressive. I saw data. It's just. just Your programming.
2: Words that <laughs> are in my kinda, Yeah, I know it's my programming. I'm just whatever words are in my, my frontal data bank, yeah. I suppose. Wow.
0: But if they did have, you were talking about having LOL in more than one episode, you know, and if,
2: and if yeah. it did, I, mm.
0: I, think, I think it would kind of more have the feel of the uh, Seven of Nine Doctor. The EMH relationship, because you have the EMH teaching Seven how to be more human, and he's not human mm-hmm. either. And, and I, I, it probably would have been a little right. bit of those kind of moments, you know, between Data and Lal kind of investigating the, you know, different foibles of humanity
1: <laughs> together. It could, it could be, but I, I would see it almost like, like Data would be teaching her how to navigate this world as an android, because that is an experience he's had that he can impart, but Can't really tell her how to be more human, I think, but...
2: There would have to be an episode a bit like the Voyager episode where the doctor gets a holodeck family, and they're all this perfect 1950s kind of idealized housewife with a perfect blonde bob, and there's two kids that are the perfect ideal of what a child should be that go off to school and come home and do their homework. Until they (laughs) aren't. Yes, until they get reprogrammed, and they're kind of hanging out with Klingons and just... (laughs) Thrown tantrums and the wife's an alcoholic probably um so there would have to be an episode like that where um data has this th- new family he has, he's a single father and he's struggling with what lal's going through in that episode
1: yeah so here's a question that i've always had like they introduced lal who looks pretty much like a human i mean basically you can tell she's an android by some of the reactions and, and different things but hmm. they kind of decided And it's an interesting thing because, you know, at the start of TNG, you have Data who you can see clearly, uh, you know, has this gold face and like Mm -hmm. all these things where you can tell like, oh, he's an android. Whereas like in the original series, you had episodes where there were people that were androids that you didn't really know about for a while. And then they decided to kind of bring that into TNG, I think, with The Offspring where Lal is, you know. Pretty much looks on the outside like a human and then you have that later with with juliana tainer and we're even getting some of that kind of stuff in picard so like how does that kind of change how you feel about them i mean maybe for joe for you it doesn't because you see data as human anyway but like how does that change the experience seeing someone that that is kind of different from data in that way and really looks human and could you know in some cases even pass for being human was that i mean like wh- how do we feel about that and that kind of AI?
0: I mean, I was going to say, I mean, they they do that on purpose now, try to make it more human like. To make it, um, at, I mean, to make to make you more comfortable with them. <laughs> uh, and I don't know if that.
1: But we were comfortable with we were comfortable with data right, for several seasons right. before. So um,
0: and I, yeah, but you could tell you could tell even with even in Picard where they all all the Maddox type androids. All look alike mm-hmm. and look like androids too. Um, yeah, is, is but it, they
2: look super creepy.
0: Yeah, creepy and and extra creepy when they try to uh, <laughs> try to be human with this, try to smile and
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and everything. But that's a yeah, choice. and I mean that's a, you know
1: it's, well, and it's an interesting distinction, Picard, because you have these like non sentient androids that are doing this work, and then you have Daj and Soji who are more. Um, I know listeners were going to Picard stuff, but hopefully you've seen the first episode by now. No, that's fine. Because because now I think about it as this whole thing okay. because it it really relates to to, to data and uh at, and it was very much a contrast in Picard when you see these these androids on Mars and it's kind of like, you know, blank stare, not getting things, just like really machines to to be used for for certain things and and not sentient at all and yeah and it's used as a certain element but again like if i think if you had that like every episode as like a main character it would be creepy or really disturbing like i think it gets to something like in order to relate to the characters we need to feel like we relate to them in some way like if they're too alien or too different from our experience it makes us uncomfortable we think it's creepy or weird like it is that something we just can't get past?
2: There's that point on the spectrum of like being really alien and being like human. There's different points where things are comfortable. So if things are really alien like spiders or mm-hmm. the I don't know, the spidery things from Starship Troopers, then they're really mm-hmm. scary because we don't identify with them at all. Yeah, they have appendages and they've got eyes and they've got a body, but they look completely similar to being human. And then you get everything in between that we're kind of comfortable with. They don't look human, they don't look too alien like dogs and cats. We're okay with them. There's a point close to being human where things look just, it's not quite human and it's not quite animal and it's more creepy than being fully alien. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. that the Japanese um, roboticist that made a, a robotic version of his daughter and it has a fully human looking face and it's got the the black bobbed like and it's it looks human but there's just something about it that completely lacks any humanity and right. it's like oh why right what something where you wouldn't
1: you wouldn't see it and mistake it for an actual human right yes but it looks like too a little close
2: little for comfort that it feels hmm. uncomfortable and a bit disconcerting
1: I, I think it's pretty interesting.
0: What's creepy so, about that? Why what 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 scares us about that? I wonder, you know.
1: I think what what can be really uncomfortable like about the specific en- example that you're giving Joe is something that is like us but missing something or not quite the same so that we're afraid that it's going to do something that's Unpredictable, something that we can't understand. Yeah, Although, of un- course, as human beings, we see other human beings do things that are unpredictable, scary, unreasonable, whatever. But, like, I, I think part of it is, you know, there, there's a certain spectrum of things that human beings do and are capable of, right? Mm-hmm. And I think from like the really amazing things to the really awful things, but we kind of know what that spectrum is. But I think there's something when you expand outside of that beyond what a human can do. Let's say an android that has, you know, super strength or can do things, like, so quickly you can't stop them or may have some, you know, ambition to destroy your planet. I mean, some of those are extreme examples, but, like, it's kind of like thing, they're capable of doing things that hu- it feels that humans cannot do. So it's, like, makes us really, like, uncomfortable and a little frightened because it's outside of what we would normally expect. Right, It like pushes the boundaries of mm, potentially yeah. bad things, you know. That's
2: true. It's like up to the point, um, we saw Daesh fight in Picard, and she was just mm-hmm. doing normal human fighting. Yes, she was very good at it, but like if I trained enough, I could probably do something not dissimilar. Yeah. Um, but then she does the run and the the leap, and she just like, like leaps 50 like 50 meters.
1: feet or something. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. I'm
2: like, oh, okay. I couldn't do that no matter how far I tried. So there's that distinction where it's it's not quite human. So it might make you feel a bit uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. And I think too, it's the, the fear of the, the singularity, you know, I, I mean, I, th- I think I just read too much science fiction, but you know, the singularity when, when the AIs surpass us in intelligence. Surpass you know, and if you mm-hmm. see them doing something like you said that that's strength or agility or things that we can't do, mm-hmm. and then that that next step, them doing things or becoming more intelligent than their creators, and mm-hmm. you know, then maybe the fear of something and like being, what happened on Mars, <laughs> or, you know, or, or them taking right, over the af- world, or you know, yeah, <laughs> being
1: like a- being afraid of what they might be capable yes. of, that they've surpassed yeah. you, that you're not needed anymore. I think there are all of these kind of fears that come into that and you know data we can trust nearly always right. right but there are certain times where he's compromised where you see that he could be really dangerous right if mm-hmm. he has bad intentions or things that 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 go against our pure characters so just like any any person
0: yeah, I, can do i mean people can be brainwashed true. to do you know to do things just like an mm-hmm. android can be reprogrammed or hacked into
1: but I do think some of it is that they can do things that are beyond what we can right. do. So it's kind of frightening. Like there's not a way to really combat mm-hmm. that <laughs> mm-hmm. if it goes wrong. So yeah, yeah. There's no fail safe yeah.
0: if uh, he gets hacked into. <laughs> like,
2: so I think we're all yeah. agreeing that we have to build in some kind of Wi-Fi or Bluetooth kill switch <laughs> that all humans have built
1: into their phones.
0: If they get intelligent it, enough, they can they can uh bypass that. They'll know, know how to do we it. They'll figure on. it out.
1: True. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but, e- but even even the even the thought of that is is a disturbing one, especially if you might get towards something that's sentient. Like, do you want to yes. do that? Like would would you also do that for, you know, other humans that might maybe have a cybernetic implant that you'd want to put in a kill switch if they go wrong? Like there's there's a lot of pos potential dangers yeah, to even like thinking that way.
2: <laughs> ethical questions there that I know I'm not qualified to talk about really but <laughs> answer.
0: Well yeah, because that's a yeah. it too. It's different if, if data is, you know, a toaster, like they say in measure of a man. Is data a toaster or is data a person with rights? You know, mm-hmm. right now we
2: He doesn't have any slots in him for bread, so
0: <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So no. <laughs> it's not like an appliance. Like- yeah, <laughs> But I think that's what she says, right? But um yeah, so yeah. there's obviously two different sets of rules, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that, I think this is a really interesting discussion. I, like always, I wasn't sure where where it would lead, but I think there are a lot of important questions here about where AI is going and what direction it's going to go in. What are are the limits of it? But I think we've talked about kind of data and his extended family for a while. But there's, I think, there's more to it as far as artificial intelligence goes in in TNG. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one that we've highlighted here is Elementary, Dear Data, and that, of course, Data's in it. But that's particularly for Moriarty, who mm-hmm. is a hologram and seems to be granted sentience, right? Uh, so, and I think it's interesting to put in this category. I, I think it is artificial intelligence, although we usually think of like androids or robots as that. But I think sentient holograms would fit into that. Oh, yeah. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, well, the Doctor from Voyagers definitely. I see him a bit like Data. I see him as being human because he is human, isn't he? Even though he's a hom- hologram, he's not physical.
1: Yeah, you, and, and and somebody like the the Doctor is on Voyager is somebody that I forget sometimes that he's a hologram because he's interacting and doing these things. He doesn't look different than than a human would. I mm-hmm. do actually forget. Whereas like an Elementary Dear Data, which kind of really helped to inspire the the Doctor later. I think you're very conscious that Moriarty is a hologram because he can't leave the holodeck, <laughs> right? Yeah. But it's it, it's like for for Data, he's somebody that can just can kind of go out in the world and and do things that others can do. So it's a question as he goes out in the world, what are his rights? But Moriarty is kind of like stuck in this prison of the holodeck and not getting out of it. So I've I've always find it found it kind of a little bit difficult to to deal with because he's in a situation where. <laughs> Like through no fault of his own, he's been granted Mm. this and he can't actually really do what he wants. So what wants, so what are his rights and what can he do? And at least as far as this episode, hey, maybe you could resurrect him later and give him a mobile emitter or something. But, but, uh, but Jen, like, what do you think about like Moriarty and what we see of him and what that kind of says about this kind of AI?
0: Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm going by the premise of, of the episode that he's, we've proved he's sentient. Which I don't know if we actually no. have or not. You know, he could he could still be like 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 what 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 makes him sentient?
1: At the very least, he is acting in a manner consistent right. with that, even if it's like a you know yeah. facsimile of that. Or, yeah. But it, he does seem to like I think in measure of man, like the um, the the different um, the criteria criteria for for being sentient are intelligence, self awareness, consciousness. consciousness and i don't know moriarty seems i mean he's definitely intelligent he's definitely aware of himself yeah. it's the consciousness part that's difficult right. like what does that mean what is that where does that like how does that work that's that's the question i always have for him <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah but but so assuming he is he's assuming he meets all these criteria yeah. and, you know he's just he's trapped in this prison he's this this conscious <laughs> being trapped in this prison of the, the holodeck and and what do you do with that? Especially, like you said, there's no mobile emitter. There's there's no way to solve that problem for him. Um, but yeah. just turning him off, ethical, <laughs> you know, like they did. And apparently, he can. Apparently, even then, he could experience the passing of time and everything. And and that's that seems like yeah. a cruelty um, mm. to bestow on him. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. And and it's it seems like in the world of TNG, there's there's certain rules for these kinds of things. Um, like like they have they have you know, like AI in general seems to have certain rights. They seem to treat them yeah. in certain ways. But well, in th- but this is even outside of that purview. Yeah. So I don't yeah. think they knew what to do. I, I
1: I would say rule number one of using the holodeck after this episode is don't ask for anything that can defeat data. It like really leads <laughs> to bad consequences. For some reason <laughs> that
0: was the magic phrase that created the scent champion. Like, <laughs>
1: Well, and what does that say about the enterprise computer right. that it can be given a command and create something that's that that yeah. seems sentient? Like oh, that that kind of means that the enterprise computer is is a creator, like yeah. Soong, right? Right. I mean, it's and whoa. we see that again in Emergence.
0: In- Maybe we'll talk about that later. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, com- enterprise computer is pretty incredible.
2: It's interesting because I've never seen the enterprise computer any iteration iteration of any enterprise or any Starfleet vessel or even Deep Space Nine. As the computer system being artificially intelligent, it's just never appeared as
1: it. Well, it, okay. There's a, there's a difference between artificial intelligence and sentience, right? We have artificial intelligence now, which means basically um, like a program or or. Network that can kind of learn from the interactions that it has and and try to mm. like make intelligent decisions and adjust yeah, to things. We have, we AIs have AI's that AI can now pass
0: Turing tests <laughs> now, but they're not sentient. Right. Mm.
1: I didn't. I didn't know we'd even <laughs> yeah. gotten that far <laughs> passing Turing tests. But 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 like we have AI now, but I don't think anyone is arguing yet that any of the AI we have is is sentient. But the I think all of the enterprise computers that we see or all of the kind of starship computers in the federation are artificially intelligent because they're kind of learning and reacting to situations on the fly right because it's oftentimes like they'll give it a command the computer's never gotten before and it'll be like all right i guess based on my past experience and what this person wants i think they want this like they're it's very responsive and very much adjusting to all of the circumstances and everything that's being asked of it right i think you might be right
2: i think i've got a when I think naturally about artificial intelligence, I think about movies and books I've read where it's gone wrong, like 2001 A Space Odyssey and HAL goes yeah. crazy and kills everybody. Um, those can kind be of benevolent.
1: Examples. I mean, it doesn't have to be bad.
2: Yeah, I just don't see... time you ask the enterprise computer for something, it's a bit like Alexa or Siri just now, or Google, or she, I said Alexa and she... She's waiting for a question. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, Alexa, kn-
1: are you sentient? I've got... She can't, she can't hear Please me rephrase the question.
2: Yeah. Um, although she probably said yes and I'm going to kill you in your sleep.
1: She's probably programmed. Um, because she knows you will like to hear that. She's learning. It's, anyway. that, it's
2: that kind of machine level learning where they, they get used to your preferences and they've got access mm-hmm. to all your data that you put on the internet and you've got accounts with Google and Apple and Amazon and everybody else and... They they probably know you better than you you know yourself. Even though they, I get weird adverts on Facebook for things that, um, like female products that I'm never going to buy. So I don't know where this is this is going, but I think the point is that (laughs) sometimes the algorithms. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, I don't see the enterprise as being my version of artificial intelligence because it's very. Um, you ask it something that gives you a response it never really offers a discussion
1: yeah it gives it gives an example to that specific question mm-hmm. it's not like it's not like oh here's the answer to the, to your question and you know uh B- by the way how's your day going you know like i mean you don't yes. see that as much at least mm-hmm. from some of the computers that that we've we've seen but it is artificial intelligence in the way it's uh, adjusting to things Okay. learning from things i think
0: i just think i, I also default to the sent to the sentient ai when i think of of it also just because that's where mm. all the interesting questions and problems come. because there's there's really no ethical dilemma with ais that are you know that don't have that as yeah much. that are behaving themselves <laughs> right? and
2: not trying to kill as uh, yeah, they're fine they're, they can stay right.
1: yeah we have other things to say about uh moriarty
0: yeah I, I think that i think the solution they came up with you know making him think that he busted out of the holodeck that's i think that was a very um like it was a kindness to do to, you, you know to give to him mm-hmm, to give them that that experience yeah, even though it was a lie it was a kindness i mean kind of similar to what yeah. data did with his mom but mm-hmm. it's weird because i just dis- I, I agree with what they did at the end of the second moriarty episode but i disagree with what data did at the end of that episode so, with
1: his mom oh yeah so in in inheritance where he didn't tell her she he didn't tell her but but i mean but data knew from from Sung and like the holographic explanation that he gives that if she does know basically she would shut down so he's making the decision at that point that the best thing that he can do is just let her keep going with her life as it is instead of effectively her life ending right i, I feel like in some ways it's the decision between killing her and letting her Continue to live, even if it's under. I, I kind of
0: thought I thought of it like like Bev's argument was that if she, you know, because this could happen in the future of her, you know, someone finding out, she could get into another accident and someone find out, it's and true. then she, you know, Bev, Bev's argument was I'd rather have found out from my son than from some random stranger about this. And mm-hmm. I think yeah, I, but
1: you're taking the risk that what what Nun Sung put in there is going to work, yeah, and she's basically yeah. going to shut down and be dead. So but I don't know. I kind of I kind of feel
0: I, I kind of feel like I would rather know. Well cuz also he says he says well I I pro-, you know he programmed her to live for a long nice long life and then shut down. I yeah. I think like if I found out now like if if I put myself in that position if I'm find out oh Jen you're actually an android.
1: <laughs> Jen, Jen Jen actually <laughs> Actually, um, I don't
0: see any port stuff.
1: <laughs> I do have something to tell you. So, do it, um, Justin. Do I mean, it, Justin. Yeah. It's maybe the shortest ever <laughs> <I'd rather>. episode. <laughs>
0: the then guest then dies in front smoke of us. Comes out of my ears. <laughs>
2: yeah. but,
0: uh, no. But I'd rather given but, that be given that option to to stay online and live forever versus you know what I mean. Like,
1: could just but just <laughs> just think about that. I mean, put yourself in Juliana Taylor's yeah. shoes. Right? She thinks she is one thing and has thought that for a really long time. And all of a sudden, you're going to to basically say no. That's not true. Like you are not who you think you are. Yeah. I mean, I think that would be that oh, would be a be... really difficult thing to yeah. deal with. Oh, it's
0: going to be right? beyond life altering. Yeah.
1: If somebody came by tomorrow and said, you know what, you think you're a human being that was you know born here and had all of these experiences, but you know, actually an advanced alien civilization, you know, created you in order to be the savior of Earth and we need to tell your mission now. Like, I I don't know what I would do, <laughs> right. right? I would, I would be, like, be like, well, first...
0: I'd be like, I've always known. <laughs> <laughs> I suspected it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I knew I was special, <laughs> right. but, you know... I'm I mean,
1: with it. So, Sure, sure. That's it. just... A, <laughs> it's a crazy example, no. but... That's
2: why I got my WoW signal tattoo. <laughs> Do you remember the WOW signal tattoo? Then um, What is it, 6EQUJ5? And it's like a, yeah. an alphanumeric... Do you
1: know about the WOW signal, Jen?
2: August 15th, 1977. The Big Ear radio telescope at Ohio State oh, University yeah, they... detected that really yeah. powerful signal. Yeah. Um, and the printout, the dot matrix printout, and um, the guy saw it was really powerful alphanumeric... Signal to noise ratio, six right. EQ, five, and they just called it wow. And it happened on the day where I was born.
0: Oh, that's and awesome! Yeah, <laughs> so you, do, so I, you know, yeah,
2: that's why I got a tattoo. And I was like, that was that was the download of my celestial consciousness into For my human sure. body.
1: For
2: sure, it's, yeah. it's so true.
1: I mean... I mean, it was never explained, so, yeah. What is weirder
2: is that three years, three years before that, on the, something like the 16th of November 1974, or we just just refurbished the Arecibo Observatory in Puerto Rico and sent out uh, the Arecibo message, which is that kind of two-dimensional QR code of information about humans and what we know and who we are and prime numbers. Um, and that happened on the day my mom and dad got married. Hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, Maybe I'm not. putting all I'm putting all the data points together and forming a trend line, which means right. I'm like the universe's super being or something.
1: For sure. Yeah. Stay for tuned sure. for a future episode of <laughs> Earl Grey where Joe finds out who he truly is and what his mission in this life and really is. He just is. turns into or a, a light.
0: big light being. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like evolves em, to the transfiguration. next
2: stage, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or a, some kind of the the ceiling collapses and I get beamed. And I, like I just ascend in as a beam of light, <laughs> or or what happens is the alien invasion force come, and then I turn into like a, a dark phoenix or something and go like up to space and save everybody wow, with laser I had no beams idea that come out my eyes.
1: Talk about this
2: today, <laughs> Justin. Yeah. i have never get any idea what we're going to talk about. <laughs> it's,
1: yeah, it's always a surprise. Right. conversation <laughs> over. Joe is much more interesting than anything we're going to talk about today. <laughs> We're
0: counting
1: on you. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here but, for this, yeah. but I guess we need to keep going. So, I'm not supposed, <laughs> yeah. A, a f- <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, okay. So, so we've talked about data. We've talked about other kinds of androids. We've talked about holograms. Um, we talked a little bit about the enterprise computer. Maybe we'll talk more about that later. But one of the other things that's on here is evolution, which is where you see the nanites kind of. Mm. Having oh, yeah, their own right. intelligence and society, and you know, and, and it's interesting. Like, when we were putting together this list, I don't know if I'd specifically thought of the nanites as artificial intelligence, but I think that they kind of are because they were this happened because of Wesley's experiment. So it's like Wesley is kind of artificially creating this intelligence <laughs> yeah. in a way.
2: But well, why but did you intel- have to say Wesley was God? <laughs> That's the implication there.
1: I did not say that. I say he cre- he's, he's the nanites. He's the creator. He's the, God. Creator. God. He's the creator.
2: Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. I, I got, yeah. yeah. Small g. Small g. <laughs> they,
1: they have a microscopic statue of Wesley that they carry along. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, so, Jen, like, what do you think of the, the nanites and... The kind of artificial intelligence. They I'm have. fascinated
0: by the idea of nanites in general. This is this is an interesting episode. But you're, but you're right. This is these this is an artificial intelligence that we have created that y- a human has created, um, and there's something like like nanobots or nanoprobes or whatever you want to call them are incredibly incredibly useful things, and and it's not a, not that far of a stretch to see how they could evolve into something like that. Like this isn't really that much mm-hmm. of a stretch um, as far as creating an artificial intelligence that that might approach sentience. Um, mm-hmm. Especially since they do they multiply so quickly and 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 it's really interesting. But um but this is th- the point of evolution I think is is what is our what do we owe this this new intelligence that we created. Do we, you know, because because it's easy to say, you know, we, when we talk about the androids, they can overpower us physically. When we talk about the nano, the nanites, I mean, they can control our computer systems, but you know, we could step on them and kill them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So does that change the dynamic? Should it? Should we? Hmm. Should we just say, you know, like should we? What, it, what they're going to do? Irradiate them, and then that would be the end of that civilization, but we can't
1: yeah they're definitely more more vulnerable because they're so small but they do end up getting attention because they're affecting the ship so Mm -hmm. much i've always been really fascinated by the nanites as well because yeah i mean i think pretty much up until that point when when we'd seen in star trek some kind of artificial intelligence it tended to be an android or hologram like we said for elementary deer data but I think this was the first. Well, that's not true actually, because one thing I didn't put on here, it's not an artificial intelligence, but it is a tiny intelligence. Soil. Is the micro yes, brains from Home Soil because they're really small, so you'd see that. <laughs> but something artificially created yeah. that's that's intelligent like that. I think this was kind of a new thing in in Star Trek, and I I always find it like really interesting because you know you can see and interact with you know data or an Android or a hologram, and you know the size scale is similar. But when something's that small. And there's so many of them. I mean, they find a way to communicate through data, thankfully, but, but otherwise, like, if they didn't have that or if they didn't have a universal translator, like, how would they even know, right? right? Like, it, it's an artificial intelligence you have to stumble upon. It's not just, like, right in front of you talking mm-hmm. to you, self-aware. So, it's, I think it's a more difficult case, but... Joe, what do you think of the nanites?
2: I really like nanotechnology in general, I think, for us as humans just now. It's, we're on the, the cusp of something really amazing with nanotech, where instead of having drugs for things that have side effects, we have nanites that go in and they'll use cancer cells to self-replicate. Um, they'll just eat your tumour away or they'll repair damage um, or they'll do eat the plaque that causes Alzheimer's in your brain or fix all sorts of things because we know how to build them, really small and we can control them wirelessly and I think the, the difference between what we all use is nanites and what the nanites in evolution have is this ability to network so we get to the point where we can have little wireless antennae on our nanobots and allow them to communicate and there's sufficient numbers of them and they're all communicating Mm -hmm. they form some kind of it's like a neural network network yeah some kind of biological network not biological but neural network um and then they become artificial intelligent. It's not much of a stretch.
1: And it's kind of like they're you're seeing their collective intelligence, right? You're not talking to like individual nanite Joe or Jen or something, right? Like you're talking mm-hmm. to the nanites like as a group, whereas, you know, androids or a hologram, you're talking to someone one on one. So it is also kind of like this collective intelligence. I mean, in a way, uh, like a smaller version of the Borg in a way like cuz they're kind of like interacting with each other yeah. and sharing whatever and uh it, it, and and like in a way almost like the uh the Changelings in Deep Space 9 where they're just kind of like pooling together what they think and then giving you <laughs> some information or something so mm. i think there's something that's really interesting about it but you know there is the threat of them taking over the ship but could there be another threat where like you talked about using like Nanotechnology or nanobots, Joe, to to like be injected into your body and to do certain things, but that could go wrong as well, right? Or <laughs> be used for some some malevolent intention or something like that. So they don't explore it in this episode, but I just think it's interesting. It's like a different, maybe kind of threat. I
2: suppose it's like anything which is electronic, which you put in your body, it could be kind of hacked in some way. There was an episode of something, was it 24? It was some US political spy thing. And there was a senator and he had a, some kind of pacemaker or some kind of device that keeps mm. his heart ticking. But it had a code that it was kept in a, a cupboard in the White House or something in a safe and somebody (laughs) broke in, stole it and there was an assassination attempt on him because they got the code and they could basically switch off his pacemaker so yeah, all this technology it's going to, some bad guys out there will kind of have uses for it that aren't good. That's true. So
0: yeah. unintended consequences
2: yeah with your point about uh, I think nanites are the nanite brain that we spoke to they were more than the some of their parts weren't they? but like mm-hmm. if me and my starship encountered one of your neurons out in space Justin or Jen yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go like yeah it's not intelligent but I put your neuron back in your brain and kind of the whole network of yeah. neurons makes you intelligent seemingly don't know who's yeah it's, it's intelligence just like these days
1: you know a brain outside of your body or your heart outside of your body does it make an intelligence to talk to but when you have like all the stuff within you mm-hmm. then you are the sentient person right so maybe like the nanites it's like that they've gotten to a certain point that like the body's been constructed to be able to interact with yeah mm.
0: yeah so is mm. it is it one consciousness or I don't know if we, they really yeah, say they
1: don't
2: really yeah. specify it's a bit like the Borg though is it one or is it many who you speak who's the board queen yeah. what is it how, how
1: it just confuses or is it one me many at the same time <laughs> yes is it like yeah. the
2: is it god and jesus and the holy spirit if you <laughs> believe in god um do you I mean they are different things but they're the same god and yeah, jesus are the same person and the holy spirit is the same thing yeah yes it's what did they this? there's a name for that transubstantiation Trinity.
1: oh um
2: something it's a trans thing
1: but i know i know what you mean like there there is this hole but you can still break it into certain components right mm.
0: so it's it's kind of it's kind of like a voltron you know <laughs> like the the individual parts are mm. still sentient beings and put it together it's a different thing
2: <laughs> you know mm. Vol, vo, voltrons on the tip of my
0: voltron oh it's a cartoon what? from the 80s <laughs> It's basically all the, all these little mechs together form a big mech, big robot.
2: Oh, you know, but, but if like you, when the power.
0: Yeah, kind of like the when Power, the power Rangers. Rangers
2: join together. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> kind of like I, get, I get you. <laughs> I don't know how I missed Voltron
0: then. Yeah, Voltron. Yeah.
2: I don't, I don't think I've ever seen it. Uh, yeah, I, was just, it I grew uh, up uh, in
1: the eighties, I, I, so I'm, I'm maybe myself. not as familiar with it. But do you mean as part of Transformers, or is that a it's different, different thing, but, show that you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, well, tra- uh, don't, don't the Transformers just,
0: do that too? Don't the Autobots? Yeah. Come together. I think so. And make, so make one, big one big thing. But, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, all right, well. <laughs> but yeah, but it's like the Borg a collective, collectively is a, is a consciousness, mm-hmm. but then indivi- it's made of individual mm-hmm. consciousness. You can separate out individuals yeah, too. So it's, it's both, like you said. It's hmm. not just one. The one yeah. and the many. But, um, but the nanites might be similar. Who knows? <laughs> if the individual nanites yeah. are conscious. Well,
2: better. talking about yeah. joining things together, my favorite ship in Star Trek Armada 2, the game is where you get eight tactical cubes and join them together to form a tactical fusion cube. And it's just this big, giant Borg mm. cube. That's pretty it's cool. like all you need is one ship and you can just go around and wipe out everybody. It's amazing. Nice. Oh,
1: that's Joe's plan for next week. Uh, So another thing I think that we have on the list here that's also another episode I love is the quality of life with the exocomps, which are basically these tools. I think this is the maybe one thing on this list that's not really created by humans. It's created by this alien race that they're working with on this particle fountain thing that's mining from orbit. Um, And I think it's Dr. Farallon, who's a tyrant, who has created these basically tools that can just kind of they have what do they call it a a micro transporter to to kind of like bring into existence the different tools they need mm-hmm. they're cute they have little feet they fly they are cute. but but i mean <laughs> but like they're they're not tiny 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 like the nanites and they're not looking like people like uh androids that mm-hmm. that we see but they seem like this tool but in the course of the episode we kind of find out that they really do have intelligence self-awareness maybe consciousness i don't know it's maybe a question if they're sentient, but but data thinks they really need to be, kind of respected for who they are and given the, the choice for things. So I, I think this is an artificial intelligence that, like Moriarty, is kind of accidentally created. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Jen, what do you think of the the exocomps?
0: Yeah, because it's, it's it's an it's an interesting dilemma too. Because like you said, they don't they don't resemble humans. We can't speak to them the way or even the way we could with the nanites um it's just and it yeah. just looks yeah. it looks like our idea of a tool that we use for you know a million mm-hmm. different applications and so, like a toaster. It's a toaster exactly. Is this a toaster? Yeah. Is this a sentient yeah. being? And, and um,
1: Exocomps 2.0 have slots <laughs> on the side for toast. <laughs> <Hopefully> not.
0: <laughs> Why not? Why <laughs> not? <laughs> I guess we have a replicator. No, they yeah. they
1: just replicate like <laughs> some kind of
2: radiant heat source. Yeah. And just wave it over your bread and it toasts it.
0: Or maybe if you, no you, s-
2: slots required. Maybe you
0: set your phaser like at its lowest setting, you could toast some bread. <laughs> you know? Like what's the lowest a phaser can do?
2: <laughs> I would so use that.
0: I would use that too. Yeah. yeah. just Because like, I mean, you use it as a regular heat source sometimes to heat the mm-hmm. heat of the rocks, you know, dial it back a little back. Back a little more,
2: and yeah, did Sula not do that in the original <laughs> yeah. series when he was stuck on the planet and to heat up the yeah. rocks? Yeah, there was a storm going. So yeah, yeah. Uh, why do I don't know why he didn't just use it to dig a cavern and oh. like dig a big hole in the ground and go inside it? Oh
0: yeah, I guess if you could blast, yeah, blast, be, yeah, you know, like, blast things through Makes Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. makeshift. Sure but Jen,
1: sorry, oh, I've gotten you no, off track okay. for so you. Sorry, I've been out of fault
0: Yeah, I, no, no. So it's well, and and then then it's interesting because if you can't prove. If you can't prove they there's they're they're sentient, then should they have any rights at all? You know, like
1: Or should you give them the benefit of right, the doubt do you have to because assume, maybe they you are, have to assume that you know, they are. And you don't want to trample on right, their rights. Right. Yeah. Um, but Which is kind of the place that they get to. It's like, well we don't quite know what's going on here, but it does seem like there's self awareness we should give right. a choice and and uh and you know, they really do end up making what seems like the best choice at the end, and one of them sacrifices themselves, which seems yes. to really say something about how they're thinking, right? right? Yeah. And,
0: yeah, and it's interesting, too. The scientist um, just says, oh, it, like, they show signs of intelligence, and and her response mm. to that is, oh, yeah, when that happens, we just wipe their memory and, and start <laughs> again. It's like, what? I, you don't think you, you might want to explore what's going on
1: here? <laughs> like yeah, that's, that I mean, seemed, it, it's an like, interesting thing in the episode because she's <laughs> – She's feeling the pressure yeah, of this project yeah, and wants to look past true. it. Maybe she knows mm-hmm. better, but she's like, Ugh, people are expecting this thing to right, get done. Right.
2: So, yeah. I, th- I kind of see this episode a bit like a sequel to The Measure of a Man, where it was a question of life and sentience and rights. And it was for us as Star Trek fans and people that l- love Data, because he's part of our family now, then that was a, kind of a no-brainer. Right. It was an easy argument to win. But this, it was a bit It was more tricky. Because yeah, they, they showed signs of intelligence, but they weren't you weren't able to communicate with them in the same way. They didn't look human, they were just essentially toasters. Weren't they used for different purposes? And I think it's a bit, it's the, the question in the episode is, what is the spark of life? What caused them to spontaneously develop this level of intelligence to protect themselves from harm, which made it even more interesting than Measure of a Man, because it was kind of yeah. unanswerable.
1: And uh, I mean, I think one thing that's really interesting is, yeah, it is a little harder to relate to them than Data, but the original concept would have gone even further and they would have been like a wall panel. Not even, I think, like... Moving around and doing stuff and having little feet that are because <laughs> they are kind of cute, uh, yeah. <laughs> they are, they are, they are kind of cute. So yeah. you can relate to it on that level. But what if it was just like a panel? It's yeah. just yeah. like sitting there. I think that was the idea. Like, how can can you know for that, or how difficult would it be to accept that? I'll have to look up the information because yeah, I think that's that's what it was. It was just like I think didn't want to go that like far. In,
0: in the, isn't the Voyager episode there? Isn't there one where there's a um, a warhead that's sentient?
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's the K- the kind of is.
2: No, there's yeah, the one with the Cardassian warhead that uh, ends yeah. up in the Delta Quadrant and wants to still for its programming. Yeah, yeah. But there's yeah. also the one where the AI. There's a big AI metal missile.
0: Oh, yeah. Maybe maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. But yeah, but a wall panel would be even harder than the exocomps to relate to. They have to stick a little little googly's eyes on them, like they do with the the robot in the grocery store. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you guys have that in your grocery stores? Here in our grocery stores, there's a there's a robot that goes around. And it's pretty, it's like as tall as a person. But its its job is to look. It walks around it, in your it, store. It, it walks around. It wheels around Jen, and it looks Jen. for. James,
2: what? Year? And it what looks year for spills. Where you are? No,
0: I'm <laughs> it, I'll, I'll send you guys a picture. But it it wheels around. It looks for spills in the in the grocery aisles. And then it beeps. You know, so someone can come and clean up the spill. But they put little googly eyes on I, it.
1: I think Joe is horrified. <laughs> it's ho- it is eyes, a little bit No, horrifying. I'm I'm going
2: to find out where Jen lives and go live there. Um, that sounds. I'm not convinced that Jen I'm is w- currently <laughs> in 2020. <laughs> I think also, this transmission sure. might be going through some kind of time crystal <laughs> or some kind of interdimensional portal and Jen's actually in 2145. It, it
0: could be, it could be. But they, but they do the same thing, they try to make you relate to it, they give it a name tag, like the grocery store employees wear. His name is Marty and he's got little, googly, they put oh. googly eyes on him.
1: <laughs> can you actually, can you like talk to him? I mean, he doesn't. he, does, he doesn't say anything, no? he just
0: beeps. He just oh. wheels around and looks for spills and beeps when there's a spill, basically, <laughs> so. We don't have to worry about sentience (laughs) with this one. But yeah, I'll send you a picture of him. He's kind of weird looking.
1: That's so interesting. um, Hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: I feel for the poor human that lost a job because Marty was created. There was a person that had a job to wipe up spills before. Well, the people still need to
0: wipe up the spills. He doesn't uh, do that. He just alerts you to the spills.
2: He just alerts them. What? (laughs) He's
0: useless. (laughs) It does seem like a lot of trouble to go through. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, it seems like a quite well, I, expensive I think it's be, if, gimmick.
1: Yeah, I yeah. think it's because if like you're in the store and there's a spill, you walk by it and you're like, "They'll get to it. Somebody else will handle that." They're probably finding like nobody was yeah, telling them about right, spills and think. people were slipping, right. and they were like, "Oh, it's we need to have a robot to do that." If
0: the spill sticks around, yeah. long enough, someone's gonna slip, I guess. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's so interesting. Although maybe they could have like really intelligent like cameras in the store that could pick yeah. up the spill <laughs> <laughs> instead of having someone <laughs> the going around. robot. <laughs> you feel like thrown off my whole day here. Wow. Don't know what to make of it. Oh my goodness. I have to lie down. I'll send you a picture. <laughs> yeah, please. This is like the last thing we expected today. Anyway. Um, <laughs> you never know where
0: the cover is. So is Marty.
1: Go.
0: <laughs> Marty, yeah. Is, is
1: Marty AI?
2: Yeah. Has he showed any signs no, of intelligence? No, He
0: definitely is not self aware, intelligent, or conscious. So we don't have to worry about giving him rights.
2: I really hope you're in the grocery store on the day where he goes, he just has had enough and says, (laughs) you guys shove your job and like throws his, throws his uniform at a manager and then storms out the store.
0: Dude, I'd be all for it. I'd be like, Godspeed, (laughs) Marnie.
2: And (laughs) and he steals stuff on the way out.
0: (laughs) He grabs like a a bag of chips and and busts it open.
2: <laughs> and a can of peaches. Yeah.
0: Oh my goodness.
2: Oh yeah. You have to video it if you see that. That'd be amazing.
0: Justice for Marty. Oh, yeah. Hashtag free Marty. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh wow. I feel like I want to start a protest. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked. We talked about it a little bit, but um, emergence. Yes. Where I, uh, you know, I think we put it on this list because. Something is happening in this episode where it seems like the Enterprise computer is trying to create some intelligence and figure I, some stuff out and it flies out of the ship. So. I think you hit
2: the nail on the head. Something is happening in this episode. and
1: I love I this know. episode, Joe. Sorry, Joe. It's weird. <laughs> it's so, it's, it's so, weirder than a bag of cats. You weird. know what? But it's, so, it's so weird and out there but in a yeah. good way and I think it's a Minoski episode and I like the Minoski episodes are just like mm-hmm. so weird and out there Masks is another <laughs> one that I love where it's like this is bizarre but I love it yeah but it's proper like,
2: sci-fi isn't it it's yeah. like who who's the author um, who wrote the algebraist Ian M. Banks and it's just like weird it takes sci-fi to it's like hard sci-fi Um, It's like highbrow sci-fi and it takes you to the limits of your understanding and your perceptions of what the universe might be like and what might exist Mm -hmm. in it. But yeah, masks and emergence are just like, it's Star Trek. It's like, what? What is going on? Why?
0: Yeah. And it's pretty ambitious to try to visualize what an emerging consciousness would look like. You know, it's a pretty Mm -hmm. ambitious thing to do. So it's kind of interesting. I, I like how they did that. They put it on a train. They said, okay, well, he's taking pieces from all of our different, you know, mm-hmm. programs, all of our different mm-hmm. fantasies, you know, coming together. And, and it, it kind of puts together a little narrative, like, oh, it makes sense. You know, they're trying to get somewhere on this train. Uh, and they can't, you know, the different, you know, there's puzzles, there's, you know, bricks in a wall, there's all these different metaphors for for building and and." Yeah. It's, it's, I think I, I really find it interesting the way they did it and the way they interact with the the characters in the holodeck, um, the pieces of the consciousness that are trying to, you know, form. And it's it's really interesting.
1: I kind of love that with the different personalities yeah. on the train. But interesting little thing about it is they didn't have to build a new set for that. It was actually a reuse from a recent movie, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh. <laughs> they, they were just like... Oh, we and it must have been a Paramount movie or something. Like, oh, we have this train set and we need to reuse it, so they didn't have to actually build nice. anything new. And I think some of the other stuff was like a New York City street yeah. set that Paramount it's just always had there, standing yeah. on the <laughs> lot or whatever. That's always there, so they didn't have to actually build anything. Cool. But, but yeah, I I think like it is one of those things where you're like, what would it look like if the Enterprise computer had an emerging intelligence within it? And they use the holodeck. They use these different characters. They're trying to put together this puzzle. And then the computer's figuring out like, oh, I need these Verdeon particles. Where can I get that? I'll get those over here and then create this whatever it is thing, right? This like glowing neon (laughs) neon straw bendy thing that flies out into space. It's it's, it's such an incredibly bizarre episode, but it gives you something really tangible and like the character interactions on the train to kind of understand what that Is Because like in the other cases, it's like, okay, androids in front of me, Mm -hmm. holograms in front of me, I can see the nanites under microscope or whatever, they can interact through data. The uh, exocomps are right here. But for this, it's like, it's the computer? Like, how do you depict that? I mean, like, what would that even look like? But it's kind of like the computer is projecting out something and trying to figure it out. And I think that's really great. But I guess the question is, like, is it a sentient intelligence? level that the computer gets to in this episode or creates yeah, we or don't not really know. it seems kind of unclear yeah, right
0: unclear but i i think that's interesting too i like i like that they they decided off the bat that they were going to help the computer create this consciousness mm-hmm. or this whatever it is yeah and they, they make that decision how do you know that's the right decision how do you know this isn't going to be like some evil thing like,
1: you wanted to see new life there it sits being constructed in exactly the cargo bay right. you know like,
0: and they make that part of their you know part of their missions like okay yeah. they need verteron particles we're gonna help you get to you know new vertiform mm-hmm. city or whatever they decided. <laughs> it's called and we're gonna help yeah. you with that we're gonna we're gonna help you create this new life and i i, I just love that about Star Trek in general like that that's what they would decide to do without any debate like there wasn't any yeah, debate it, about that really you
1: know yeah it was just like oh we need to help <laughs> right? this happen instead of like this might destroy us right. and we need to like kill it uh but yeah they they're, they're definitely like I don't know, but let's give it the benefit yeah. of the doubt and see where it's going. Oh, it created it and it flew <laughs> off, and the computer's fine. Let's keep <laughs> I know, going. I wanna, Everything's fine. I chase after it, like talk. <laughs> but to like, it. what is that thing? I, I mean, they're not going to like monitor this yeah, thing that's flown they, out or see what it's right. going to do. Maybe it wants to destroy a Federation <laughs> colony. Like they <laughs> don't know. know. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's 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 very Star Trek what they do, where they're like, all right, let's just try to figure out what's going on, help it along, and just let it play out. But. But, Joe, like, what do you think about what's happening in this episode, and is it some sentient intelligence or something, or...?
2: I, I really don't know, Justin. I don't know. <laughs> it's just weird. Uh, what What was the yeah? What was the genesis of the computer having to or have an offspring? I suppose
1: didn't they pass some anomaly that or something like that? I'm trying to remember. Uh,
2: so something happened that caused the computer to make a new sentient life form, and it did that, and it looked a bit like a, a physical representation of a an iOS 3D game. Where you have to put all the pipes in order of color.
1: It's funny because I was kind of looking back and and um, I'm trying to remember if there was even an explanation or if it was kind of like the computer has learned enough things and gotten to enough level that it's just gotten to that point in its existence. Is that what's happening?
0: Yeah, and then you got to wonder about oh, all the other cool. ships. Like they need to put out a bulletin. Yeah, like <laughs> this might happen. <laughs>
1: In case you're on the holodeck right. and all of a sudden you're almost <laughs> run over by a train, then uh, you need to really worry about what's You need to make the event on.
0: report, you know, send it yeah. out to all the other ships.
1: So, yeah, I really don't know. And I think
2: it's just that thing that Star Trek does, it oh, like, created this life form and it just goes out and does its thing. Or, like, the space jellyfish from Encounter at Point. You never met mm-hmm. them again. They just assumed that they were space-dwelling life forms and they went out or the, the things in. Oh, the one with Lea Brahms.
1: You're talking about Galaxy's Child with the space ravioli? yeah? <laughs> yes. That's how I think of them.
2: <laughs> yeah, the, all those things that are the Gander in Discovery. There's just a lots of examples of life that exists out in space. And it's just going to do its own thing, and we shouldn't interfere with it.
1: Yeah, although a lot of those other examples, they're naturally in space. Like I think the the jellyfish or the gormagander, and this is artificially created. Like, does that even make sense? Because it's not created by like a humanoid being; it's created by the computer.
0: But we created the computer, like, so
1: so it's artificially artificially yeah. created. Well, I mean, kind of, kind of like, kind of like lol is right. Like a human created yeah, data, yeah, yeah. and then data LOL. created LOL. It's kind yeah. of the same kind of thing. But they're artificial intelligence, anyway. I
0: guess there's no, there's no oh, organic to think about. Uh, component to it. Does that, you know, mm. matter? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs>
2: suppose do hmm. they like what you see them do a lot of times they'll put like a a warning buoy on things d- or quarantine it or they'll they'll have tagged it in some way so starfleet could monitor it in the future and see what it's up to they're scientists and explorers so they're going to see what it what it does and where it goes and- you
1: know what i think it's going to be an important plot point and uh upcoming episode of picard they're just going to come up oh oh <laughs> that's the the thing that flew out of the enterprise d like 25 years ago <laughs> it is again
0: references to every like one-off thing that happened in next gen (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) yeah oh look it's a star system where all of the stuff that flew out of the ship in 15 years has gathered (laughs) let's check it out a little
0: junkyard (laughs) for all the weird stuff i
1: like that no
2: that's the ultimate nemesis basically this little 3d colored pipe thing has been flying around collecting all the starship junk Ooh. and it's creating some big super solar system sized robot that's going to come and wow. get us all why did you abandon oh, us kind, yeah. of,
1: kind of like v'ger oh my yeah, goodness, that kind of thing gotten like gigantic wow uh-huh. be the crazy. only one that can
0: defeat it <laughs> no, is well, picard and the la sienna crew <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> yeah that would be interesting uh I'm well excited. in the very unlikely event that happens you heard it here first yeah let, let's let's keep going a little bit because i think there was one thing that we put forward as kind of an honorable mention yeah. in this category, 1100101, uh, which is the one with the binars who uh, communicate to each other in binary language and are connected to their home world's computer systems. Mm-hmm. So uh, Joe, I think had you mentioned this one to put on the list?
2: Yeah. It just occurred to me that if they've got such a, an interconnected species through some kind of digital network, then undoubtedly they have to have some kind of artificial intelligence that's going to control that network on their home world. Something that's way more advanced than the Enterprise-D computer, even though the Enterprise-D computer could store their <laughs> home world's information.
1: It's like, okay, that's, that has to be a lot. It's just that powerful. But mm. but like actually, so you're thinking about it in terms of like the computer on the planet that that has this control. I was thinking of it in terms of they've kind of upgraded themselves to an artificial intelligence in a way or like an artificial mm. like ai organic hybrid because like cybernetic
0: yeah they're like bionic bionic brains basically they're
1: they're communicating very naturally in like the language of of binary code and it and they're they're kind of like thinking about it that way that an artificial intelligence like an android would so i almost thought of it like the binars themselves are kind of like an ai organic hybrid is that weird to think of it that way?
2: I think would they? I don't know because they're obviously an organic species, and they've yeah. evolved to the point technologically where they could incorporate electronics.
0: Yeah, that into they themselves. Cybernetic. In, to, they have cybernetic implants in their brain. Yes,
2: exactly. So they are kind of like a hybrid. Do. communication, and you can they're imagine kind of like that, the Borg a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. But small and cute. They're um, <laughs> adorable. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, you'd imagine they've got some constant wireless subspace communication between them and their home, home world, and they're all kind of talking to each other. I don't know why I keep on waggling yeah. my fingers, as like to show two-way <laughs> communication. Um, listeners can't see me waggling my fingers, um, so yeah, it's going very
1: I, fast. It's a blur.
2: <laughs> true, I know that's the lag in the subspace continuum. I don't think they, or do they communicate still? Well, they communicate with us in English in the episode, but do they communicate? They do with each other.
1: They communicate with each other in binary, because because you hear. But you still like, hear them,
2: though. Is it them vocalizing it, or is it through? I think they
1: vocalize it to each other. But that
2: would be really like vocalizing binary communication would be really.
0: But if they're if they're all connected, but- they should be able to do it telepathically you would
1: think so but maybe maybe they have they have something about like privacy within their own heads and they just want to vocalize it instead yeah but also in the real world it just gives you something interesting to listen to and to see what they're Mm -hmm. doing
2: but it just occurs to me that it'd be really inefficient to vocalize binary so zero one one mm-hmm. zero one zero 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 one one zero one zero zero one. It's a, a lot. lot. They do it a lot yeah. faster than you do, though. <laughs> <laughs> I I just said hi. Yeah. Quite time consuming. I know they would have done it faster, but it would have made more sense for them to communicate wirelessly between their connected brains I could see rather that. than vocalizing. I think.
0: And and they're and they're not scary. Are they not scary to us because they're cute? Because they're not scary. I think so. Because <laughs> they should be scary. I mean, they yeah. they do have a collective intelligence like the Borg, and mm-hmm. they. I mean, obviously, they can get inside our heads enough to, you know, they created Riker's Perfect Woman. You know, like, that's kind of scary that they could do that.
1: (laughs) Is it exactly because they don't look human, but they look a little alien? Because I think we were talking about before, like, one thing that's really scary is looking... Almost almost human, but like missing something subtle, right? Um, But for them, they they don't quite look human. They have, you know, what is it, like violet or purple skin or something. And they're just like, they look a little different. And yeah, why is it that, I mean, they're kind of taking over the ship for their own means? Why aren't they as as scary? It's a good question.
2: Why don't they look scary? Is it because they've got big purple brains? (laughs) I'm I'm looking at a picture (laughs) of them just now. Yeah, they've got. (laughs) big enlarged craniums but i think what makes them less but the scary is have
1: really large craniums yeah, and i think creepy. they're kind of scary but they're quite tall though oh, i think, think the diminutive the
2: stature of the binars mm-hmm. makes them less intimidating
1: so if they were like 10 feet tall yes it well, would be a problem for walking down the corridors but <laughs> hmm so tall is scary okay <laughs> In the right circumstances, given context. Yeah, tall AI.
0: And I guess, too, like the Talosians are, are using their mind powers to do nefarious things versus the binars just, you know, mm. create a Riker, perfect woman like this.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and, and their and their ultimate goal is a benevolent yeah, one, right? right? Even right. if the way they go about it isn't right. the best. It's like, why didn't you tell us? We thought you would. Right. Say no. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, fine. Uh, this is right. your way to do it. So yeah, I think there's been like a really wide variety of things that we've talked about uh, for for AI because it's not just androids; it's a lot of other stuff. But let's get some final thoughts on what we've talked about today, Jen.
0: No, yeah, I I, I think I think I, I love that TNG has such a wide range of of AI for us to talk about today. Like it's really interesting to, to mm-hmm. talk to think about all the different ways that you can approach this this topic and how they're even going. In a different direction for Picard now, you know, and I'm very excited to see where that takes us. Especially with, you okay, know, yeah. who's controlling the Maddox-type androids. You know, <laughs> they didn't just decide to to inv- invade Mars on their own. So,
1: uh, Joe, final thoughts?
2: And really interesting discussion again, and a discussion that kind of brought up more questions and answers. <laughs> again but that's what's good about star trek and it just highlights all the different versions of ai implementation that we we saw i agree the whole dash soji thing i'm kind of confused about how do you get a biological synth what what is that how i don't know
1: i think we're gonna find out more yeah i interpret it as like flesh and blood and then there's some neurons in there that make them ai but yeah it's it's a it's a different kind of concept because even for Completely. like Juliana Tainer, like she was mechanical inside yeah. through mm. and through, right? But it was just on the outside she looked human. Yeah, yeah
2: so it's a really interesting concept and not one that's ever occurred to me before. So it's kind of challenged yeah. my perceptions. So I think even though I've struggled with Picard, <laughs> I will keep on watching it. <laughs> even if Joe, they make a billion Joe. episodes, It's I really want to see where they go
1: with that. So for, for my final thoughts, I mean, I, I think, you know, we've thought about this topic before, Jen. This has probably been on the list for... A while now, um, but I think it's great to talk about this very much timely because it is an important part of, of Picard. I love that we talked about androids—you know, both ones like Data, where you can clearly see he's an android, and Lal and Juliana Taylor that are that are kind of more human. Talked about holograms and nanites and exocomps, and you know, an intelligence created by the Enterprise computer and uh, a species that's connected to their homeworld's computer. So there's like a really great variety of oh. of these. Kinds of things and I just I just love that you know when we look at it through this kind of lens and the conclusions we can draw mm-hmm. I think it leads to a lot of really important questions um, and again because we have artificial intelligence now and we'll see where it goes I th- these are important questions that we need to think about because we may be getting toward a place where we'll need to think about some of these things although, I think it is a question whether you could actually have like an Android or or a hologram or something like that that you can really consider to be sentient. It'll be interesting in the future. If we'll know that in our lifetimes, yeah. but but yeah, I think they're really great questions. I think what they're doing, Picard, is really interesting. I've liked it, I think, a lot more than you have, Joe. But I like it um, too. <laughs> <but> I, I, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but I've I've uh, I've I've found it really interesting that they they took this thing of you know an important character like Data and you know before and all that kind of stuff, and they're putting it forward in kind of a different kind of story that we're seeing unfold and how. How they'll they'll deal with that now also we talked about Moriarty as a hologram we've already seen some holograms in Picard it's a question in my mind whether we get into that show whether those are sentient or not um mm. so I, I think that's that's an important question whether they'll go there and if they do they're building on the uh the foundation of what we've seen in TNG so I think there's a lot of really great relevant stuff here mm. and yeah it's just lots of fun to talk about this yeah. So, Jen, it's been so great having you as a guest on again, so tell our listeners all the places they can find okay, you Okay, yeah,
0: thanks for having me. This has been great. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at edetquarks, and you can also find uh, my podcast uh, on Twitter. My podcast is snaptrek, at snaptrek um and we just recorded an episode uh what we do is we take two episodes of star trek that are kind of tangentially related and and you know kind of um pit them against each other in different categories and we uh just recorded one that was measure of a man versus the offspring so it's a timely we picked that before uh (laughs) before it became relevant to picard um so that one that one's coming out in uh soon so yeah so if you're interested uh that's at Snaptrack on twitter
1: yeah listeners definitely t- um check that out it's a great thank podcast you. i've been listening to the uh, episode that you guys did on day of the dove versus yes. battle lines <laughs> which are yeah surprisingly <laughs> similar um but yeah uh just great to have you and hope our listeners connect with you on on twitter and listen thank to your you podcast. thanks for having me thanks so much thanks jane Well, it's been so much fun talking with our guest, Jen Tift, about AI in TNG today, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, to the journey! If I were writing Voyager right now, like, reconceiving it, I would make each season,
2: like, a different decade, like, show the progression of time over 70 years. See, we could have just done that with Kes as a character, though. I know I said it probably a million times in the last five episodes. Cass could have shown us what that would have been within mm-hmm. the seven-year period. So you know we all know my opinions on Cass and how much I liked the character
1: Earl Grey. Okay, Amy, your ice pick. <laughs> what is that number? <laughs> Amy to the nth power. Pick.
2: I yeah. Imagine, I imagine it. At the square root of minus one.
1: Negative one. Yeah. Mm, okay. I, literary treks. You know, there's all this backstory
0: as you're starting to learn in the show about what happened um, between Nemesis and the Picard show. And, and so there was all this backstory. You couldn't really show it all in the show. Um, you don't want to. The show's about what's going on in the present time of the show. But, you know, Star Trek, since its origin, has always had um, ancillary materials that flesh out these stories. So, and we knew that would be the case here.
1: The Line, a Star Trek Picard podcast,
0: 99% of the time Star Trek tech makes sense, this does not to me.
1: Okay, okay Chrissy, like, S- Star Trek has asked me to believe some pretty ludicrous things. <laughs> this takes yeah. the cake. Okay, we're on the same page. This is completely... More more than uh, going warp 10 turns you into lizard? More than lizard babies. (laughs) Really? More than Spot turning into a baby lizard. This, I'm just like, what are you trying to feed me here? That's interesting, because I believe this a lot more than those other things. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Baga's evolution theories are much more believable than this. (laughs) No, they're really not. (laughs) But yeah. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm.
2: Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad or Apple TV or the desktop Apple Podcasts app to get the latest details as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review that helps others find the show.
1: Joe, you want a quick bonus question? (gasps) Oh, yes. Yeah. So, out of all the different types of artificial intelligence that we talked mm-hmm. about today, which one would you like to see the most?
2: Oh, I'm kind of inclined to go with, I really want to say holograms, like, because of the doctor, because they would be, like, infinitely configurable. But mm-hmm. I would really like a Zoom a type Android kind of companion, kind of a data that just hangs about with me. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Like, if
1: you couldn't get the lid off a jar,
2: you go, oh, data, could you? <laughs> open that jar okay what about you
1: yeah it's just really interesting to think about what i would go with i mean i think the holograms would be really interesting but it does get into question of if you can interact with them like that are they sentient or not Mm. um i kind of think the exocomps are really friendly and useful so i'd like to see them yeah and uh treat them the way they should be and give them choices Uh, so i guess i'd go with that Nice. So if you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, and most third-party apps. And you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link.
2: We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners' group on Facebook. Just type Babel. B-A-B-E-L, enter the search field on Facebook and it should come right up.
1: If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter and Instagram at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So Joe, where can people contact you when you're not working on your travel arrangements so that you can see Marty at a grocery store in Jen's area and free him from his servitude. That's, that is <laughs>
2: happening. Yeah, there'll be a a night a nighttime raid on some grocery store in Philadelphia, and then <laughs> video of me trying to smuggle a, a <laughs> robot into a, a commercial airliner. Um, but when I'm not doing that, which isn't happening, law enforcement, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> then you can find me on the Babel conference. You can tweet me on the Twitter at JoyJo77UK. Or you can email me at joepodcasts at gmail.com. Yeah, I forgot where you could get me there for a moment. And Justin, <laughs> where can people contact you when you're not one zero zero one one zero one 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 zero zero one 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 zero one one zero ing?
1: Is that saying hello or is
2: that something else? I have no idea. I just made it up. <laughs> okay. I put, I put, I put I ing at the end, implying that the the binary sequence was a verb. Okay. Because so I'm not a verb verbing is now. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not verbing. Um. You can find me elsewhere on the network co-hosting The Line. That's our Star Trek Picard podcast with my friends Chrissy Declerc, zalagi and Brandon Shay Matala. We're having a great time talking about every episode of Picard as it airs each week. Hopefully, listeners, you've been listening to that and think our long, in-depth conversations are interesting. Um, You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. And you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook.
2: If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, available through our special patrons' website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com. We'd
1: like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Michael Huter, Thomas Appel, Chris Tribuzio, Jim McMahon, Joe Keegan, and me, Justin Ozer. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Free Marty, free Marty, free Marty. Things are only impossible, such as freeing Marty, until they're not. (laughs) When we free Marty, free Marty, free Marty. Marty, I hope you're listening.